This episode of Fermented Adventure the Podcast features Katie Morgan of Wright B. Cider Company. What began as a love story has turned into a sensational cidery. Be sure to reach out to Katie Morgan and Wright B. Cider Company and let them know what you thought about the podcast. Cheers! Ladies and gentlemen, craft spirit enthusiasts, and those interested in the intoxicating world of craft distilleries, cideries, meaderies, wineries, and the occasional foray into breweries. It's Rich Shane, and welcome to Fermented Adventure, the podcast, where we bring you the fascinating people that are making the mash, fermenting, distilling, bottling, pouring, and delivering to you some of the finest libations in the world. Before we get started, here are a few housekeeping items. Thank you for bringing the podcast into wherever you are and whatever you're doing. We truly are grateful that you've chosen to listen and make us part of your day. It would mean the world to us if you left a five-star review. This helps us climb in the rankings and it makes it easier for others to find us. Don't hesitate to leave us your comments as well. If the podcast didn't meet your expectations, tell us why. We're always striving to improve. You can find us at fermentedadventure.com. We are on Instagram and Facebook as Fermented Adventure. Email us at fermentedadventure at gmail.com. All right, FA Nation, let's meet our guest. She's Katie Morgan. I'm Rich Shane. This is Fermented Adventure, the podcast. Katie, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. Well, we met at CiderCon 2023 in Chicago. Your ciders, and not only your ciders, but your personality, everything stood out. And oh, we've, been, we've been excited to talk to you ever since. So I'm so grateful that you've taken the time to talk to us today. How did Right B Cider get started? Yeah, so we started in 2014. So that was our official launch date, November of 2014. But our origin story is that my husband, Charlie, was a professional beer brewer and every we were mutual friends and he would always bring these beers that he made to the parties we were at and I would never drink them. And he thought that was kind of strange. <laughs> and so uh, dug a little deeper, asked some questions, figured out that I loved cider. He made me a cider for my birthday as a surprise. And after that, we started dating and I married him as one does. So what I'm hearing you say is, the path to a woman's heart is through yes. cider. That worked for me. <laughs> Do you remember so, what cider that was? Yeah. So it didn't really, you know, it was an, un he brought it out in this unmarked bottle. It didn't have, you know, a label or anything or a name in particular or anything like that, but it would be most closely related to um, our semi-dry and the flavor that we have. So it's just one of our classic flavors. Um, it was very, I was really honestly worried I was going to hate it because I, I don't like cider that's super sweet. And I was, that's kind of all you could get at the time. Um, but it wasn't, he made it perfectly and it wasn't flavored or anything. It was a very straightforward, classic hard apple cider. For you, now you, you really enjoyed cider, but how mm -hmm. do the things transpire? Obviously the dating, you got married. <laughs> how does the cidery come into play? Yeah, so he... Charlie had always wanted to start his own business. And before meeting me, that meant beer. So he worked at a number of craft breweries for many years in various different types of positions. He learned everything he could possibly learn about 
the business side, the production side, fermentation, everything. So when we met, it was just kind of this natural pivot to cider. And as you know, um, brewing beer and making cider are very, very, very different animals. So we definitely, um, you know, learned a lot and did many years of um, test batches and, and before we officially launched, but yeah, he had always wanted to, to start his own business. I, I did too. I had no idea 15 years ago that it was going to be hard cider, but it's just kind of, it seemed like a no brainer at the time. I came up with the name. Um, you can see our little can here. I love it. And so our name, Right Beside Her, sounds like Right Beside Her, which alludes to our story. I love that. That Thank is you. like the hairs on, if I had hairs on the back of my neck, they'd be standing <laughs> up right now. But but that is such a tribute to the relationship that both of you have to, to come together and build not only just a family, but to build a business together. What were some of those aha moments for you to say, all right, you, you mentioned you did some test batches and you tried mm-hmm. some things. What were some of those aha moments that you knew you were on the right path to this cidery and this business that you were venturing out on? You know, I, I get asked that all the time. Like, what was this? Like, if there's one, you know, the clouds parted and, and someone struck by lightning with this this one pivotal moment, but it wasn't really one moment. It was kind of a series of a bunch of different things. Um, My husband, Charlie was working at a craft brewery in Columbus, Ohio, which was awesome. We loved it there. He um, we're still friends with the guys that own it, but he, he was itching to do his own thing. We, we wanted to move back to Chicago. We were getting married that year. So some of it was the timing of our life. So we were already getting married May of 2014. So that meant we were, you know, wanting to move back to Chicago around that time. And we always had this idea. He first made the cider for me in 2012, I believe. Um, And it just all seemed kind of like the right timing. It was very, very coincidental that that was kind of as cider was really kind of experiencing a ton of growth that by no means was calculated on our end. It was just the year we got married. (laughs) So um, that I think was probably the most, the most pivotal moment. And it just kind of made sense to us timing wise. How's the process been for opening up in Chicago? We were talking prior to recording and, you know, for you, you're the first one in the Chicagoland area first being a cidery. So you kind of, you've led the way. What's what's that been like for you? Yeah, so we were the first in the city, city limit Chicago. There were definitely other, um, there were other people doing it in the state of Illinois and kind of suburb areas, but we were shocked that we were the first. We didn't know that until we began the process of filing paperwork. And when we, we were like, wait, what? How is it possible that nobody has done this in Chicago, especially with such a cool craft beer scene here? So we were we were shocked, but also super excited at the possibility of being the first. I mean, two, you know, 26, 27 year old kids, two people in our whole business um, being able to kind of stake that claim was very exciting for us. 
Did did you find that there were some challenges to opening? Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh yeah. I would we have had so many challenges. I mean, these aren't the kinds of things that I put on our Instagram highlight reel. I mean, I Nobody yeah. does. Right. Oh my gosh, we've had I could I mean, how much time do you have? I could talk tell you about so many different things. So, I would say the the first initial most difficult challenge was obviously financial. I mean, we we had no outside investment. We were tiny. It was just two people. Um, we were using our personal life savings, which which was not a lot. We knew what equipment we needed, but there was no way we could get that at the time. We could only afford plastic totes. So we bought four 250-gallon plastic totes and a couple you know, other pieces of equipment. And that's how we started. So, I mean, so many challenges, obviously the uh, resources were limited, but trying to do the entire cider making process with totes that don't have any kind of temperature control and all the, I mean, there are so, so many challenges we encountered production wise, but then also we self-distributed out of a pickup truck that we bought on Craigslist. So that um, I kind of look back at that time fondly now, but it didn't feel like that at the time. It was really, 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 really challenging, especially because our biggest competition sales-wise are gigantic companies that have way more resources and staff than us. So we definitely, um, we were aware of that. We weren't scared away by it. We saw it as pretty exciting. Um but also a challenge. You're going through the process where you're building this business. You're yeah. acquiring raving fans and customers, and you got a you got another drink last year. <laughs> and this this is our our original vintage logo. Oh, I love it! I love it. Yeah, this this would be our our brand new logo. Right, hot off that. the presses, right on the cans. Yes. Sorry, I interrupted you. Go ahead. That's okay. This is how, this is the fun of this, and. I'm, you know, so, you know, you talk about going through the process of setting up the cidery and then COVID comes along and yeah, talk about challenges. What have you learned or or what has the growth been through the last couple of years to, you know, obviously the best part about it is you and I are talking and you're still in business. Yeah, we are. That have had challenges. What, what, so what's come out of that for yeah. you and right B? We, I mean, that's not lost on us at all. And we feel very lucky to be around because there were, there was a while there where we didn't think that we would be. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously everybody experienced COVID and we're not unique in the challenges that that presented, but I do think that anybody in my line of work experienced unique challenges. Absolutely. Anybody in bar and restaurant hospitality, um, got just killed, you know? Um, so for us, it, it presented some personal and professional challenges because I had just had our second baby, um, at the beginning of, or it, yeah, at the beginning of lockdown when nobody really knew how long it was going to be. Um, so they're kind of like, you're in labor. And I was like, great. And they're like, and your business is closed. We're like, Great. So it was just a really, really, really wild and scary time. So what we did 
Um, I mean, Charlie and I are very resilient. We've experienced a lot of challenges before COVID was even a thing. Um, and we were able to weather a lot of storms, nothing quite that challenging, but we were, we were prepared mentally. We just said, this is not going to end us. There's, we're not going to let it happen. So what we had to do right away, like many of our peers in the industry, uh, was pivot. So at the time we had never had any kind of online ordering or anything like that. So we set that up in a day. I mean, Charlie was in the hospital the day that our second baby was born, just figuring out how to, you know, put up new sales channels. So we had opened our tap room for barely, I don't even know the exact timeline, maybe like six or seven months our tap room had been open. Um, so that was instantly closed. We had to turn the, uh, the tap room into basically a curbside pickup liquor store overnight. So we had to, excuse me, we had to really, really, really ramp up package because just like that, all the draft sales were just gone because people forget. They're like, oh, well, you know, maybe your tap room's closed, but you can sell, still sell, sell to grocery stores. And we're like, yeah, but you don't realize that bars and restaurants are also our customers, not just the people that walk into our tap room. So all the bars and restaurants are closed, beer fests, you know, sporting events, um, major private events that have that sell draft. Um, so that presented a problem inventory wise too, because you're not expecting that much package. And then all of a sudden, essentially overnight, you need only package. So, and then it was hard to get those things you know, there's then there's shortages of everything. So it seemed like every direction turned just presented a new challenge. So it, it was it was crazy. So basically, we turned the tap room into pickup carry out only. We did you know safe um, and sanitized curbside pickup. We did um, that's the time where we switched to cans. We had always planned on on moving to cans. Um, the reason why we didn't start with cans is because at the time, the upstart cost of a bottling line was less expensive than the upstart cost of a canning line. So we did six pack bottles. Um, we moved to cans during COVID for a lot of reasons. Um, there was more demand for it. It's more easily recyclable. It's lighter. It opens up different uh, accounts that prefer not to have glass, like golf courses, concert venues, um, swimming pool, you know, things like that. They only want can also a lot of the chain retail, like the way the can stacks on the shelf. I mean, there's a million reasons to move to can, but then nobody could get cans. Then there's a can shortage. So it was just, it was such a nightmare, you know? And then the city would, there was this yo-yo of the regulation. So they would say, oh, you're closed and now you're open. And now you can only be open 50% of your capacity. And now you're closed. So it was just this constant, you know, we would watch the the local press conferences every day about how the, the rules were going to change and just be ready to pivot based on, on what they said. You know, we, we followed every rule that they had without complaining. And we were just thinking, you know, whatever we have to do to get, <laughs> to get, to stay open and to, to be open again. Um, it definitely got to be very frustrating when the rules started to not make sense. 
you know, that somebody could order our cider in a restaurant, but they couldn't come into our tap room to get it. So there, there were times kind of towards the end where we became increasingly frustrated, but we knew that that wasn't a battle that we were going to fight and we had to stay focused and we did. And we were very thankful that so many of our regulars, you know, continued to order carry out. And we are just so happy that that's in the past. I love what you said. I mean, you talk about your resiliency and I can feel the emotion and the anxiety as you're expressing that whole journey of, it was bad. you know, <laughs> you wake up today and all right, what can we do today? What are we allowed to do today? What aren't we allowed to do? Can we get cans? Yeah. Um, who's ordering? Who's not? In uncertain times for you and Charlie, you made your own path. Yes, you had to follow the guidelines. From what I gathered, now I understand that exuberance of CiderCon at the bottle share where it was really a celebration for you and right B to be able to pour and have those people in just one place enjoying your cider. So I, I think I get it a little bit more now. Yeah. I mean, we're also not unique in that. I think every, every producer could probably feel that every, especially people who had been around for a minute before COVID happened. Um, anybody that ran a tap room, obviously was thrilled when when humans could enter the tap rooms again um yeah but that um cider share was great and for anybody listening the cider share at cidercon this this conference about all things cider everything from producing to marketing to sales to anything you could think of related to professional hard cider is there and on the first night there's just a big tasting and those are actually my favorite kinds of events anyway. Um, anything where I'm directly sharing cider with people is something that I enjoy most in our business. Um, it's the most fun. It doesn't really get old to share it with people and to, to watch people enjoy it. So, um, I mean, that that beats looking at spreadsheets or mopping the floor. <laughs> You know, oh, come on, that's so exciting. <laughs> yeah, so it, it was really fun. It was also, we're so lucky that it's been in our backyard, you know, for a, a bunch of years. It's it's in Chicago a lot. And we are thrilled when it's here. It makes our travel arrangements a lot easier. And we can invite people directly to our tap room, which was which was really great. What were some of the other experiences for you and Right B Cider as far as you know the the experiences you had, what you learned, what you took away from the event? I went with some of our new employees. They thought it was great. Um, I think the my favorite part, honestly, every year is the the um, the Nielsen data, all the statistics about how the cider category is doing. Um, I'm most interested in that. I love that um, information. It's information that's very important for us. It's very, you know, we're laser focused and very personally motivated, but it's also very motivating to see that regional cider sales are constantly growing. And that's really important for us. It's information that we can take to buyers and, um, it's just nice to know that there are so many people excited about it. 
And when you go to CiderCon and you see, I don't even know how many people were there, 500 or something in that main I think it was closer to 800. I, it just seemed like, like there were a lot of people. <laughs> so yeah. And it's also fun too. I mean, we meet people from all over the world. I mean, that's, we are distributed in Japan right now because of CiderCon. Like that wouldn't have happened, at least not on the same time frame. Um, so I, I love meeting people from all over. I love maintaining the relationships. It's also something that we feel super lucky being the first cidery in the city. We were kind of on our own for a lot of, you know, technical questions, equipment questions. I mean, we came from the craft beer world, which is very, very communal, very tight. Like, Hey, how do you make this? Hey, do you have an extra of this part? Do you have any more, you know, can I get an extra little bit of this? It's very helpful. There's not this, I mean, maybe there's like a friendly competition in terms of sales, but it doesn't really feel that competitive. Everybody's really, I believe, and I don't think it's naive. I think we all kind of believe in the rising tides, you know, that can benefit, you know, benefits everybody. And um, we just didn't have any of that because there was nobody around <laughs> doing, it. I mean, a ton of people in Michigan, some people in the suburbs, but we were kind of on our own and we helped, I believe, to drive uh, more of a cider presence in Chicago bars. I mean, now you see, it's very common to walk into a bar in the city and see a draft line dedicated to cider, maybe sometimes even two, in addition to can offerings. And that just wasn't common when we first started. Uh, people were very hesitant to take off any kind of beer to put a cider on. So that's something that we had to deal with. But talking about cider con, I mean, it's just so cool to see so many like-minded people in the same room, people excited about it. It's also fun to meet other people who are just starting because we don't, we're not secretive about our process, about exactly how we do things, about how we make things, about the mistakes that we've made because nobody helped us. So it's fun for us to be able to help other people. And I think some people are surprised when we tell them exactly how we make it, but it's not something we feel threatened by. And it's just really great to be able to help people. We had a tour of 50 people, CiderCon attendees come and you know, we were, that was fun because normally our tours, I love our tours as well. And a lot of times it's just people who are excited about the brand, but this was like specific cider makers and they were asking very technical questions. And we really enjoyed just showing them how the equipment worked and trying to help however we could. And we have a number, I mean, I got like inundated with emails after that about like, Hey, can you help me with this? And you know, it's not like we have a lot of time on our hands, but we are so happy to to try to help other people who are first starting out. Pardon the interruption. If you like what you hear, if you love what you're hearing, please share the podcast. Please take a screenshot of the podcast, post it on your social media, tag us just to let everybody else know about Fermented Adventure, the podcast. We'd be grateful for your help to grow our podcast. Katie, I hear this sense of stewardship for cider from you. And I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, not just in Chicago, but where you look at your mission and your place in the cider industry in moving that forward. You talked about the Nielsen data. What's 
what do you ha- what conversations are you having to move that you know the, the desire for people to try or continue to drink cider where is that for you um you know i mean <laughs> i like that you called me a steward for cider i don't know if i would walk around with that like label plas- you know <laughs> plastered on my name it was on head. the other side of the sweatshirt <laughs> yeah fine but um i you know we have just been, I think we've been successful because we've been really, really, really kind of tunnel vision on our own business. Um, you know, we don't really pay attention so much to what other, you know, companies are doing. We don't see it, it like that as competition. We just see like, what can we do to kind of make our mark? And I think it's been a pleasant byproduct of that, that has helped generate more interest about cider, generate more popularity about ciders that are on, on the dry side, um, helped to represent, I mean, I don't want to get, you know, too big for my britches at all, but represent a woman owned business. Um, I like to think that I've done that pretty well. And that's been something that's been exciting, but you know, our goals aren't I would love to say that we sit around and talk about how we can like change the world. I mean, we don't, (laughs) we're just like, all right, how can we make the best possible product and how can we sell it and share it with the most people? And in doing that, it's just kind of been beautiful to see the community that has come from it. And I don't think we can take all credit for that. People that come in our tap room and have become our regulars are really, really wonderful people. I think the best representation of that is in our tap room specifically we're a very, very welcoming place. We're kid-friendly, dog-friendly, bring your own food. Our taproom is um, in this exact same building where the cider is made. People can look at the equipment. If I have a, in a free second, I'll take people inside, show them around, teach them about it. And um, I feel, I think that's what I'm most proud of. Besides the team that we've built now, we started with a staff of two, and now we have a team of seven, and they're just wonderful. and help us immensely, but I would say are part of our team, but also proud of the, the community of our tap room. And I do believe we are doing our part to represent the cider community. I, I hope you'd have to ask somebody else <laughs> what they well, think. I, I, I'm, I'm seeing it to you, Katie, because I really feel that that's what you represent. And cool. even from the moment that we met you, there's this, Hey, you have this passion for cider and now knowing more about your origin story and and how you and Charlie, like, you know, you created a relationship in a business around cider. That that's, what's enjoyable for me. And this, you know, people can start a cidery because they think, ah, it's a good business. You know, people like it. It's something to do, but it's, it's more than that for you. And yeah, you can change the world with cider. Yeah. I, Yeah. We, looking back, it's just kind of funny. I mean, we had no idea how hard it was actually going to (laughs) be. I mean, I think, you know, would we do it again knowing what we know now? I mean, probably, but it was just, we were really, I mean, we thought we were really old and mature, but we were super young and I think a little bit naive and both incredibly hardworking and we were just ready. And, and I think we both really were both a little 
competitive. So we kind of loved that the big macro brands, which we don't dislike, you know, we've met a lot of people from all their teams. Everybody's super nice to us. We, we don't have any animosity at all, but it was, we saw it as something really fun to, we're like, all right, how many, how many placements can we get? How can, how can we outsell the two of us in a pickup truck? Like how, you know, it was this, it was really, really, we had a lot of drive and a lot of, you know, we were very personally determined and we didn't really have a lot to lose. I mean, people that start businesses later and they finance it themselves have like a lien on their house. Like we didn't have a house. We didn't, we didn't have anything. We just put all of our money, all of it into this and thought, you know, why not? We are, we, you know, this is a conversation about fermented things. Yes. Talk about your cider and talk right. about the, the the philosophy behind your cider. So, yeah, let's talk about our cider. So I am incredibly proud of what we make. I have one of our cans here. I also dropped it. The cans don't normally look like this. So I'm just going to cover that up right there. Gotcha. Um, so this is our dry. Um, it's actually the only flavor I have here with me, but I will explain everything. So we, I would say the biggest thing that makes us different is the sugar content. I think a lot of people, even now, this has been a battle I've been fighting for almost nine years now. They kind of write off the entire category of cider because they say it's too sweet. They maybe because maybe they've tried one cider that was, so it's not technically their fault. Um, we have been fighting against that strongly doing our best to show people that it doesn't have to be like that. If people like super sweet things, awesome. But if they don't, there is another way. So our dry cider specifically has no sugar at all. It's fermented completely out. It's not back sweetened at all. Um, with that said, it is very balanced and approachable. So I don't think it's off-putting. You know, some things can be really, really dry that it's not pleasant. And because of that, we are, I mean, if I had a dollar for every time somebody said, you know, I'm not really a cider person, but I like yours. I, I get that all the time and I find it very flattering. So any, it really just, if we were going to make like a bunch of Venn diagrams, it it could be the middle of all of the alcohol drinkers. So if you're a wine drinker, a beer drinker, spirits drinker, a seltzer drinker, like whatever you're drinking, this can be enjoyable for you. Um so we make five core flavors. We do additional flavors that are taproom exclusive that we don't sell, but we have five that we distribute plus one limited release. So we do a dry and a semi-dry, and that's just a classic hard apple cider. There's no other additional fruit or herbs or spices in those. It just varies slightly on sweetness level. So even the semi-dry is not going to be very sweet. Then do you want me to talk about each flavor? Yeah, let's let's entice. Okay. Yeah, here's what I want to do. Let's entice once, the listener. Once you, once you get me going, I'm just going to talk about. Fine. Let's entice the listener because at some point they're going to want to order, and you're going to want to yes. ship. <laughs> yes, I will. So, besides those two classic styles, which I would recommend to somebody who's maybe trying cider for the first time, um, we go on to our specialty ciders, which are all infused. We have a blossom which um, has cherry blossom and lemon myrtle, but it's the actual dried plant. So don't think of 
you know, something really sweet and cherry. You think it's more tea-like and fresh and floral. It also includes honey from our rooftop beehives, which I don't think I've mentioned yet. Um, We have 16 beehives on our roof. We are located in the old Schwinn Bike Building on the northwest side of Chicago, and an awesome local company called The Hive Supply helps us manage the hives. So we include the rooftop honey in many of the ciders, which is pretty cool. So the I talked about the blossom. Then we have a clementine, which I love. It has clementine, obviously. Also a little bit of cinnamon, just like the perfect hint. We make a rosé, which has black and red currant, rose hip hibiscus, a little bit of raisin. Um, smells amazing, looks gorgeous, and is perfectly pleasantly tart. Not anything too much. Um, that Those are the five kind of core ones that we distribute. We also do one of my favorites called the muzzle of, it's called muzzle of bees. It's the name of a, are you familiar with Wilco? No. Okay. Well, now (laughs) get get familiar because Wilco is an awesome band, a Chicago based band. They have a song called muzzle of bees and they've been around for years and years and years. So Charlie reached out to them at the contact us on their website you know, we don't have an in with them. We don't know anybody <laughs> like knows them. We just did. We just went on their website like any other fan would do and said, you're like, hey, guys, um, can we name our cider after one of your songs? We're a local company. Let us know. Thanks. Bye. And I thought, OK, one of two, two things are going to happen. Number one, they're not going to respond because why would they? Um Number two, they're going to respond because they seem like nice guys and be like, you know, good luck to you, but we can't do that because, you know, everybody probably wants us to have put our name or lyrics on things, but they responded pretty much right away and said, sure. And here's our designer, Bridget Pearson, who's going to help you design the label. And we were like, what? So that was just the coolest thing. We had some really cool write-ups in the Chicago Tribune about it. I had Wilco fans from all over the world sending me messages, wanting to know if they could get it. I mean, it was just totally wild. And that flavor specifically includes a little more honey and a portion of the proceeds benefit, help to benefit our urban beekeepers. And it has elderflower in it as well. We've barrel aged it too. We have a modest barrel aging program. Um, Those would be my favorite flavors that we do. We put our regular ciders in a variety of barrels, anything from just standard regular oak to Chardonnay, bourbon. We did a bourbon barrel aged gin. Um, So yeah, we would age things anywhere from four months to a year. And those are in a different type of package. They're in a 750 bottle. They have a different label and those are taproom exclusive. That just... I feel left out <laughs> that we're, Come in hang Pennsyl- out. I, we're in Pennsylvania and you're in Chicago. And then you tell me about these favorite things that I would love. And so sorry. Well, <laughs> you'll just, you'll just have to come back. It'll no, you know, what's funny. And, and one of the things that Dawn and I spoke about, we enjoyed our time. We loved our time in Chicago, uh, you know, minus four degrees isn't as much fun. And as cold as it was, it made getting around a little more difficult. But getting a plane ride is not that difficult. 
And nope. we, we, we have talked about, we, we would definitely love to come back off, you know, a, a time when we can come and, you know, see the, the apiary, the bees yeah. you got going on in the, the top, uh, up on the roof and, and, and stock up on these uh, taproom exclusive uh, offerings that yeah. sound just tremendous. We also do a few other ones that are only available on draft in the taproom. You can take them to go in like a growler or a howler, but they're not ever, they're not canned at this point. We do a berry, which is lovely. It's a beautiful, deep color and has just think of all the berries in it. And we do a melon cider as well. We do a hopped, a rhubarb. We do, um, we occasionally have our barrel aged ciders on draft. We, I think about once a month, sometimes twice a month, we'll do a special firkin, you know, like a small cask. Um, and we let our warehouse guys and our, our whole team just kind of be creative and do whatever they want with those. Um, so those are always pretty fun. It's also a nice way of getting people to come in and be excited about something new. Um, so we do those quite a bit, but yeah, at the moment we are just canning the six, but five core, the muzzle bees would be a limited release. We only make it a couple of times a year. I am truly inspired by the way you describe your ciders and Great. The, it's, it's almost like they're your children <laughs> and, and the way a parent would describe their children just in wonderful detail and Truly, if you have not tried any of Ripe Bee Ciders, I don't know why, we had not until we did. And then we're like, wow, this is amazing. How can people get these ciders? Uh, you have shipping. Do you have different locations, states? Um, we do not do shipping yet, but we are exploring options about that because it's a very exciting um, way to share with people all over, obviously. You have to come to Chicago if you want to come to the tap room. We only have one tap room location right now. Except we, for the Philadelphia one that you're opening up. Great. We're you get, on, you get on that. On space now. <laughs> you get on that and you let me know. We'll do. But also, if you have any distributors that you like there, I'm dead serious. <laughs> Send me an email because we're, we're discussing expansion plans um, now for different markets. We're currently available in Illinois, Michigan, New York, and Japan, Tokyo, Japan. Well, you're going to Japan, aren't you? I'm so excited. We're going in two weeks. I only have my flights. I have no hotels booked, but it's going to be fine. We're going to figure it out. <laughs> like everything else, you're going to figure it out. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, they have hotels there. It's no big deal. What are you heading to Japan for? Okay. We are just over the moon, excited for this brand new event called the Japan Cider Cup. It's put on by Insider Japan, a lovely gentleman named Lee Reeve, who um, came up with the event and he's putting it on. He, as our Insider Japan, is our distributor there. And we heard about this event and just thought, why not? Let's go. So we are really excited to meet people. We're doing kind of like a little meet and greet there, which is going to be hilarious because I don't speak Japanese and I'm going to have to learn some phrases pretty fast. <laughs> so we're doing that. We're going to be just meeting so many people. We're going to be going to a few of the locations that have had our product. I mean, I don't, I would say probably don't get easily, you know, like wowed, I guess. But I think I'm going to freak out when I go into 
the bar, there's a bar in Tokyo that after the people would drink the cans, they would rip off the label and they stuck it on, I don't know if it's a wall or like a fridge or something. So I think when I walk into this Tokyo bar and see that, it's going to be pretty cool. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, we're we're thrilled. We're really excited about the opportunities in that market. Um, I would have never thought that we would be an international business. It just, it really just kind of, it just happened. I mean, I met Lee at CiderCon. We became friends. He wrote for a bilingual cider magazine. And I thought that was awesome. And we kept in touch on Instagram. And then I figured out that he started a distributor and we just got the conversation started. And now our ciders in Tokyo. (laughs) Now, what's crazy is for us, you you talk about how like things lead to something else. Yeah. Like the second most listened to country for our podcast is Japan. What? We've never, we've never been to Japan. Um, We've, we've interviewed some sake brewers and some shochu, but, we we've never been. I don't know. Okay. Well, anybody listening from Japan, I'm going to be there in two weeks. Come hang. Go to the Japan Cider Cup. Tell me you listen to this podcast, and we'll be friends. Except the podcast will air after the Cider Cup. <laughs> well, that's okay. That's okay. Not when, then but when then, you're in Japan, make sure you buy the cider, try it, enjoy it, and let yes. Katie know how much you love it. Yes. Also. Um, Make sure everybody follows us on Instagram. It's just at right B cider, R I G H T B E E cider, right B cider. It sounds like right beside her. That's how you can remember it. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook. Um, I'm the one that does all the social media. So if you need anything, send me a message. I will respond directly. You can also visit our website, rightbcider.com, and you can contact us there as well. Info at rightbcider.com. If you're in the city of Chicago, we are just west of Logan Square in a beautiful neighborhood called Hermosa. And like I said, our tap room's kid-friendly, dog-friendly, bring your own food. It's super fun. We have eight ciders on draft. Also, we have some pretty amazing cider cocktails and local beer and wine options as well. It's a place you want to be. Don't it's miss out on it. a place you want to be. Looking at the future yes. of Right Bee Cider, what does that look like as you and Charlie talk about expansion, yeah. growth? Yeah, we have a lot of big plans. So we um, are looking at new markets. So I am looking to open four new states this by the end of the year. It takes a lot of work to actually get cider in market, but we have conversations going. We're really excited about that. We got a brand new 60 barrel fermenter. So that's going to really ramp up our production. We're going to be producing more. Um, There's a possibility we could be canning new flavors. That's I'm not going to say which one yet because I'm not positive. Um, But yeah, I would say the biggest thing that's exciting for us is opening up new states. So we've been, we just turned for about eight and a half. We'll be nine years old in November of this year. And you know, just now, just in the past couple of years, we've started exploring other markets. So I think we've been very smart about that. We've tried to kind of be in our own backyard for a while. And I think now we're really ready to explore other states. So stay tuned and hopefully it will be coming to a bar near you. 
I'm going to stay tuned. I'm going to be ready. I'm going to watch and keep an eye out on your social media. And I, Katie, I, the, from the moment we met and your energy and your enthusiasm, and I'm going to say it again, your stewardship for cider Thank is, you. is, is impactful. And it's, it's just infectious. It really, in a good way. So that's. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about COVID. Right. No, 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 but it is. <laughs> and, you know, I can see why, you know, for Ripey Cider, how many, you know, all the raving fans you have, the growth, all the, as you discussed, the challenges and where you are today, opening up new markets. We we can't wait to see you again. Maybe one day Thank we're going to surprise you and pop into Chicago. That'd and, be so great. Uh, you're going to be like, hey, I, I remember you. <laughs> Yeah. We'll so, go from there. so like I said, people in Chicago, obviously you're here and get over to my tap room, but for everybody non-Chicago, you know how to get here. Come on over, come check us out. We have, you know, our, our awesome little tap room, but then, you know, over five, 5,000 square feet of production space. And our whole team is, if we don't have a scheduled tour, our whole team is really, really great about kind of grabbing a table and taking them in and showing them around. And people seem to really enjoy that. So we're so proud to be the first cidery in the city. You know, we have this awesome little neighborhood gem of a tap room. We live in that neighborhood. We're there all the time. Our kids are there all the time. So we're really, it's, it is our family, you know, it's, it's our, it's our, you know, it's our, it is our little cider baby. And we're so happy to share it with people. And I think that people can kind of see that when they come in, they also feel like they're part of it. We have our story on the can here. I'll read it to you if you'll indulge me. Sure. Read it. It says boy meets girl, boy makes cider to woo girl. Now he's right beside her, right beside her. What started as a romantic gesture grew into Chicago's original cidery owned and operated by a local husband and wife team. Small business, small batches, and a ton of love sent your way with every sip. Cheers. Cheers. So it's pretty funny. People will read that and then they'll see me at the tap room. And Charlie and I don't think that we are any kind of big deal at all. At all. We're just regular, normal people that run a business. But it's so funny when people, I've had people come up to me and say, oh, are you the girl from the can? And I'm like, yeah. So, and I always think that's, that's pretty funny, but we're all over. We do the tastings. We're behind the bar. We are very visible in the business. So when people read that story, I think, you know, anybody can kind of relate to that. And then when they come in and meet us, it's kind of, it's, I think it's a pretty special thing. And I don't think it's something that you get at very many other places. So I think that would be something that's special and unique to us. That's one of the, you know, you said, you know, you're small business owners and, and that quintessentially is one of those things. If you can identify, if there's a story, if there's just something you can fall in love with, it makes it's not just opening a can and drinking some cider. You're drinking a story. You're drinking love. You're drinking passion. You're drinking, mm -hmm. you know, just curiosity for life. And if you connect with that, that makes that makes it even better. It is kind of, if I'll tell you a funny story though. I heard something, one of our regulars, one of our taproom regulars sent us a funny text message the other day. She overheard 
somebody talking about our story in one of our, one of the bars where we are. And the bartender said something like, oh my gosh, have you heard this story? And she was going to say, yeah, I, I go there all the time. I know them. And they said, you know, this guy made it for his dying wife. And, you know, on her deathbed, he was right beside her. And we were like, what? (laughs) So I don't know how that happened. I did not tell that story and that is not happening. I hope it doesn't happen anytime soon. Um, But it is kind of funny how some of these stories take on a life of their own. But hey, they're going to be in for a real shock when they come into our tap room. And I am very alive and um, take them on a tour of the cidery. So we'll see. Very alive, very well. And just very much in love and creating these wonderful ciders. Yeah, it's been fun. It's nice to, I mean, it's, it's very hard and very stressful to run a business. Being an entrepreneur is very romanticized. Um, it's not for the faint of heart at all. I think it's considerably harder than the alternative, but now we feel very thankful to be at a point, um, by no means is any stress gone, but we feel very confident in what we're doing. We feel very confident in our team and there's definitely a little more fun to be had, you know, almost nine years in. Let's have some fun. Katie, thanks so much for being a friend of Fermented Adventure. I'm grateful for your time tonight. I know you've been traveling here and there. You've got the kids. We were able to work out this time. And um, I I really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to when our paths cross again. And uh, just all the great things for Right Bee Cider. Thank you. You know where to find me. Remember, follow us on all the social medias. Visit our website. Give us a call. Keep an eye out for this little bee. And we'll see you soon. Cheers. See you soon. Cheers. Bye-bye.